My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Jessica Barry and Nicole Collins. According to today's guests, St. John's, Newfoundland has been having something of a feminist resurgence in the last year. They're quick to point out that, really, there are a lot of different people situated in a lot of different contexts doing exciting feminist work in the city. It does seem, though, like the group they're a part of has been playing a pretty key role at certain moments. Smash Patriarchy and Action Team, also known as SPAT, came together about a year ago. The initial trigger was something quite specific. A number of women with long-time connections of one sort or another to the city's music scene were becoming increasingly frustrated at how unwelcoming a space it was for them. Though there was certainly a deep reservoir of concern about things like how venues handle harassment and assault, the trigger was actually a summer of successive music festivals in St. John's with very, very few women musicians. As the final festival of the year approached, with its all-dude lineup, something sparked, and in a few short weeks a collection of mostly women who didn't even really know each other very well had planned their own show for the same night featuring a number of women-fronted bands, produced a zine exploring the many barriers faced by women in the music scene, and begun to build an organization. From there, though they still have a keen interest in music and culture, the group has expanded its focus. When they found out a nightclub was bringing a highly prominent online misogynist to the city for a public event, they started a petition, did media work, and planned a counter-event. When a firefighter in a nearby town was subjected to sexual harassment and then ostracized when she spoke out, they organized a number of events and actions to support her. When the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary released a public service announcement about date rape that was blatant victim-blaming, they took to social media, did a bunch of interviews, and mobilized a firestorm of criticism, and within 24 hours the police had committed to completely changing their approach. One of the group's current priorities is developing resources and guidelines around sexual assault and harassment in community contexts, what venues should be doing to create safer spaces, and how communities can respond when something happens and they're part of a collection of feminist groups in the city that are putting together a major conference that will be happening in August. And after that, well, they're hoping to draw some new members into their core group between now and the fall, and they plan to set the next phase of their agenda at that point. Barry and Collins talk with me about the flurry of activity by Smash Patriarchy and Action Team over the last year, and about being a feminist in St. John's. We spoke by Skype. Hi, I'm Nicole Collins. I was born in St. John's, Newfoundland, and lived here for most of my life. I'm studying social work, and I have a background in education and English Lit as well. Back when I was probably 13 or 14, I discovered Riot Girl music, and it kind of blew my mind. That was when I first discovered feminism and realized that other women were experiencing similar things to me. They were frustrated and they were angry. 
I never expressed that, but when I found other women doing it through music, it really made a big impact on me. So that's when it all started. I never played any music. I only started playing music recently, but just even hearing women being angry started me off. And I'm Jessica Berry. I was also born in St. John's. I studied sociology and political science, and I have a background in community development and nonprofit work. For me, I guess my involvement with feminist organizations and my identity creation as a feminist happened when I was in my undergraduate degree at Memorial University, and I was part of an Oxfam Canada group on campus, which is an organization that focused on women's rights globally. So I was learning a lot about the state of the world and what women were facing around the world in terms of poverty, in terms of the impacts of climate change, those types of things. And I just got really interested and I ended up doing my master's in sociology in that realm as well. So gender and development was sort of my area for a long time. And then I moved home from Montreal and my perspective really shifted. So I kind of made the choice to like stay here in St. John's and I started looking at local issues and my own role in that and my own experiences in a really different way. I started to get really excited about the potential that there is here to create change because it's such a small place that even really small things can go an exceptionally long way, as we've learned this year. The other part of it for me and kind of the way that SPAT formed is that I've always been part of formal organizations and NGOs that have really strict guidelines around advocacy and that type of thing because they're so funding dependent. And for us, we were like just a bunch of people with no affiliations, with no funding, that we could literally just say what we want. But then we had this tool behind us to be able to do that and to be able to be powerful in it. And to me, that was a huge draw for feminist action. So SPAT, or Smash Patriarchy, an action team, is a collective, a feminist collective that's existed for about a year now. And our mandate is to use art and activism to tackle feminist issues in our community here locally in St. John's. We kind of came together sort of sporadically, I guess. There's a lot of talk between different women in St. John's about things that were frustrating them or things that were lacking in St. John's that they wanted to see. And then we just, without even all knowing each other, all these different women came together and just sat in a living room and talked about what was frustrating us and decided to plan an event. Because a lot of the festivals in town last summer were all male-fronted bands. We decided to have a music festival with mostly women musical acts, all women-led. That was how SPAT was formed, just in someone's living room because we were angry about, <laughs> <laughs> about things in St. John's. There was already quite a bit happening. Like There are established organizations, like the St. John's Status of Women Council has been active for a really long time. It's always taken the lead on those issues here. And there's other organizations. There's organizations on campus at Memorial University and other groups like the Sexual Assault Crisis and Prevention Center, these established bodies that have been around for a while. But on top of that, there were also a lot of feminists, individual feminists in the community, who didn't always necessarily feel like they had an outlet or a community of people to talk to, or anywhere to direct their energies. There were just a lot of people who were really frustrated and like ready for something to happen. I feel like we collectively hit a breaking point, and that's how this group formed. Tell me more about the frustrations that were the focus of the conversation in that initial meeting. We talked about a lot of different things. I mean, the one that we talked about a lot was the music and how there are a fair number of women musicians in town, but we felt that they weren't being highlighted. So it wasn't for lack of musicians available. It just felt like a lot of the festivals weren't promoting or weren't showcasing women or other marginalized people. 
that's the main thing we talked about, but there are a lot of other side projects. That was one aspect of it for sure, and it's kind of unfortunate for this particular festival. But what kind of got our acts together was this festival called Harborage. And it was the last one of the summer, and it was after months and months of just feeling totally frustrated at the lack of visibility of women in bands. And so we decided to have Herbridge, which was a really great pun for us and fairly unfortunate for them. So that kind of got us into gear on that. For me, Herbridge was opportunistic, and it was a great moment to do that. But it was also a time to start having a conversation more broadly about why more women aren't playing music here. There's a lot of us who've been part of the music scene for a really long time and just didn't feel really connected to it or feel really welcome to be musicians ourselves or to pick up an instrument or we just never had the same kinds of opportunities that, you know, all of the boys who've been in bands since they were like 15 years old and their parents buying the amps and all of that kind of thing. Um, so it was sort of a community coming together around that. First of all, highlighting the bands that were there, but then also having a conversation about how we change that culture. So music was a big part of our first meeting, but there were a few other things that were thrown around, like just a general sense of problems in the community and how we respond to, you know, sexual assaults in the community, which is something we're still trying to figure out. We're struggling with how to challenge that and how to tackle that. But we did focus on, I think we planned our first event in about two and a half, three weeks. So that was really the focus for the first one. But there were a lot of other little side projects like the community responses and like making zines and then also just discussion of what other kind of events we could have that we felt that were missing. And we've since done a lot of those things that we talked about in that first meeting. And just to clarify, when we had that first event in that like three weeks, we didn't actually have a collective. So it was like, we're going to do this event and we're also going to form this organization that is, I guess, going to keep going after that. <laughs> um, so that was all happening in that three week period of like, OK, we need a logo and we need a brand and we need people and volunteers and trying to get the word out and all of those things. So that was a pretty fast paced couple of weeks. <laughs> what did you aim to accomplish with that initial event and how did it go? Part of the thing was just making this visible as an issue. A lot of people really didn't see it that way until it was written about, until it was pointed out, until we really smacked them in the face with the fact that it's been really bleak here. So we had the show and then we had the zine at the same time, which provided some more like substantive content about the issues that we thought that this was addressing. So we talked about things like safety and being at shows and bars and sexual assaults and those types of things and harassment and how alienated that kind of scene can be to women. A lot of it was kind of like a message to our community at a really small scale for people to start thinking about this type of thing. And then other barriers we were talking about are just like why more women weren't getting into music in the first place and why they didn't feel welcome. And it was really for me, and I know for Nikki as well, we both started playing instruments recently. So that part was a very personal kind of turning point. And being able to say, like, we're going to create a feminist space here where there isn't one and try to address some of those things and try to bring people into that and get them to think about their own experiences and think how things might be different. And one other thing was messages to promoters and people who are booking big events like that. We kind of wanted to say, do you have responsibility for ending this cycle? Because a lot of them didn't want to feel like they had any responsibility in that. A lot of our interaction with the festival that we ended up targeting was kind of like, oh, well, we pick based on musical quality and not on gender and things like that. 
which first of all is extremely insulting if you have a festival with all men because it's basically saying that women aren't good musicians but it's also not taking responsibility as someone who is a gatekeeper and someone who has the power to make a change and to break that cycle a little bit with the platform that they have if they're not doing that then that's not okay her bridge was a house show at my house with 150 people in it and it was pretty ridiculous and great and got a lot of media attention which was a really hilarious balancing act because you couldn't really have media showing up at what is basically an elaborate house party um but anyways it was great we had four or five bands i can't remember they're all fronted by women and we had the zines for sale and we had a lot of people there even there were some people who had played the other festival because we held it on the same night who came and played ours after who, who came mm-hmm. and attended ours after which is really great it sparked a lot of different conversation. We found that a lot of women felt the same. We just met so many other women who were just frustrated women musicians or audience members. But the conversations with a lot of the organizers of the other events were very frustrating for us. We had some social media arguments, so they still exist. They're still online to see. But a lot of what Jess was saying, they didn't really feel like it was their responsibility that they felt that we were being unfair, perhaps, and calling them out publicly. They cited a number of reasons. They didn't have very much time to plan their festival is one thing they said. And, you know, that some bands that they had asked were unavailable. They gave a lot of different excuses, I guess, or reasons, depending on how you look at it. But we're looking forward to seeing what the Harbridge lineup is going to be like this year. We haven't heard from them recently, (laughs) and we're not sure what their show is going to be like. But it did create a lot of discussion from a variety of perspectives about the responsibility of show organizers. Like, is it their responsibility? Is it not? There was a lot of dialogue about that. So that was good, like a lot of public dialogue, a lot of articles in the newspaper or TV interviews. So it really stirred up a lot of opinions. Controversy. And you said that along with frantically planning that first event, you were simultaneously working through all the things you needed to do to establish yourselves as a group. What did that involve? So we came together by planning and doing. We have been very much an action team from the very beginning. So our name is very fitting in that respect. It was difficult when you've got a bunch of people who don't know each other super well and who all come from different backgrounds and have all had experiences in social organizing that were quite different. And basically it was trial and error, I guess. We kept working together. The group sort of became smaller and we formed what we call the core. We tried different ways of working together and decided on protocols for how we make decisions. We were doing everything by consensus. We were creating all of our social media accounts and trying to manage media interviews and all of those things all at once, as well as trying to get a base of support around the activities of what the core group was doing. What kinds of things has the group done since that initial period? We had ideas of things that we wanted to do. We had plans and we had goals, but they all kept getting swept away when something new. Terrible things (laughs) happening. Yeah, when, (laughs) when new things would happen that would anger us. The next big event after Herbridge was our anti-Kirill event. And I don't know if you are familiar with Kirill, but he's a nightlife photographer based out of New York. He was coming to have an event here in St. John's, and one of our core members saw it and was really angry about it and decided to start a petition. He has this persona of, like, the slut whisperer is what he's called. 
Just basically taking photos in nightclubs and being really terrible online and being extremely misogynistic and making a living off of being a misogynist. And he had been here actually before, a couple of years ago, at the same nightclub. And there had been some trouble with the nightclub where it was found that there were pictures taken of underage women. His general thing is sexually objectifying women for his photos. And we felt that the event essentially was objectifying women because people who go to the event go to like see women undress and have like champagne poured on them and he'll take photos of it. So while we're perfectly fine with whatever women want to do, that's not the problem. It's more the problem of them being sexually objectified. And, you know, essentially people will pay cover to go to this event to like watch this happen. And also the fact that this was a person that we were inviting into our community, that whole persona is being sexist and racist and homophobic and transphobic and all of those things that you could see from his Twitter account. He'd actually been banned from other clubs. So we were essentially trying to ask the George Street Association here, as well as the city and the nightclub to try to figure out if there was a way that we could have the event banned. And it was quite an ordeal. It was definitely like the most intense thing that we had to deal with. We ended up being targeted by, like, this person has a huge following, seemingly all around the world, of misogynists who like to harass people online. So individuals were targeted, people were trolled on Twitter and Instagram, we had threats made against us, it was all very scary. But anyways, what we decided to do, because we had this petition and it didn't really go anywhere, we weren't getting response from the city, uh, we weren't getting response from the George Street Association. So we decided to have a counter event on the same night as well, very similar to what we did the first time around. So we had a feminist dance party where we invited anyone who was upset by the fact that this event was happening to come and, you know, enjoy their night in a safer feminist space. That was in November, I believe. After that, we relaxed for a little while, at least from the public. And then a few other things happened. In the winter, there was a woman who had been sexually harassed, a firefighter, in a community not far outside of St. John's. Her name is Brenda Seymour, and she had been sexually harassed at work in a small town, and the town basically turned against her in a really troubling way. So what we wanted to do was show solidarity with her. And so we did some social media work, and we had a rally here where we talked about the issue of sexual harassment and the workplace more broadly and tried to show her and other people who have experienced similar issues that there is a community of people behind them. So we held a rally in support of her, as well as at a variety of other events aimed at fostering a feminist community. We had some film screenings. We did some other media work. There's been a couple of instances, for instance, there was some really problematic messaging that the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary had been putting out about issues of date rape happening on George Street and messaging that was very victim blaming. There was one public service announcement in particular that the caption was don't be a victim. And then it basically had steps that you could take to avoid being date raped. And so we thought that that was really problematic. I mean, the way that things are reported in the media totally shaped the conversation. And when you have messaging like that, that leads people to question what the actions of the person who is the victim in the situation, it's really problematic. So that all started from us tweeting at the RNC being like, this is really problematic and this definitely constitutes this victim blaming, which started a firestorm on social media. And then we had like six interview requests the next day. So myself and Carrie, who's another member of the collective, and Jenny Wright from the St. John's Status of Women Council, who's a major advocate in the community, did a bunch of media work 
explaining why we thought this was a problem and why public messaging like this has to be better. And it was very cool, actually. In about 24 hours, we ended up getting them to change their messaging entirely, and they were really responsive to that, which was great. Right now, we're working on, there's a feminist conference being planned by a number of groups in town in August. It's a conference and it has other surrounding events. So we're on the planning committee for that. Um, we're planning shows and a fundraiser coming up very soon. We're showcasing a bunch of new bands that have been started by women in the last few months. Yeah, it's just a lot of media work and responding to things and these kinds of cultural events that we think are good venues for spreading the message and trying to foster a feminist community here. What kinds of responses have you been getting, both in the media and in conversation, to the kinds of actions you've been taking and the kinds of issues you've been raising? As per normal, there's been a lot of variety in responses and conversations. One of the things that we started when we first started SPAT was an online group on Facebook. And that's grown pretty large, and there's been a lot of discussions take place in there. People post articles or just make a post of something that they want to talk about, and discussions happen in there. So we've seen a lot of different people coming together in that way. And we've also seen a lot of, we get media attention without even, I guess, looking for it anymore. <laughs> they just know that we exist and we'll get messages all the time about, you know, there'll be an issue that will come up in St. John's and they just want to know what our opinion is on it. Even though we haven't spoken about it, we haven't made no public statement. They know that we're here. They know that we have an opinion mm. and they seek us out. We're totally controversial and provocative, and we have not had a hard time getting media attention at all. It's actually, the uptake has been pretty mind-blowing at times. My perspective on the broader community, I think a lot of people are scared of us, to be honest, because we've kind of taken on this watchdog role. And I do actually feel like we're seeing certain organizations or people in the community being more careful. I think there's just a general awareness raising that this kind of thing isn't going to be tolerated anymore. And for better or for worse, I feel like there is a certain fear of being called out that we've made very clear that we will do. Um, so that's been really interesting, especially for me. I'm not a very confrontational person. So this kind of tactic has been very uncomfortable at times for me, but I've also just seen how effective it can be. What does Smash Patriarchy and Action Team have coming up? We have a second zine that we're going to launch pretty soon, and that one talks about online feminist activism, some of our successes, some of our challenges. And we had people in the community submit their own articles, as well as some of the SPAT core wrote articles and pieces for it and artwork. We really like the idea of zines, being able to say what we want to say, and we don't have to really edit them for any publication. They're just whatever we want we can put in there. I find that they're a place where you can be really honest and have some time to say what you want to say. Part of this for us is that online activism has been a very effective tool, but it's also been extremely challenging and extremely stressful and draining. And it's a really hard way to organize. So, for instance, with our Facebook group, it's become really, really large. There's a lot of fighting that goes on in there because there's a lot of different perspectives within feminism and there's a lot of really hard challenges that are complex and they're not necessarily a right answer. And that gets really difficult. So the zine was neat because for this one, we took the opportunity to explain how we felt about the online community as well, our mixed feelings about it, because sometimes it is great and people make really wonderful contributions and people know that there is this community of people out there who are engaged on these issues, but it's also really challenging. So for us being able to express how we feel about this thing we created and don't always love all of the time, the zine was a really good outlet for that.
I guess like the next piece that we're working on is trying to create a safer space at our shows. And we're working to create, first of all, like a safety committee that will be at all of our shows in case are there any problems, harassment, assault, etc. Because we find that that's not always addressed well. In a lot of the bars, there's been a lot of situations where women have been harassed and nothing's been really done about it. So we're trying to create a checklist for organizers or promoters or bar owners, et cetera, staff of things that we would like to see happen in bars and at shows that would create a safer space. And it's still in progress. We're still working on it. Yeah, just being able to sort of exemplify what it is we want to see like in our own work when we do do things like that. A bunch of different organizations in St. John's are planning a conference and it's FemFest. It's a whole festival. That is planning a kickoff show. There are a number of different submissions for the conference as well, which are pretty exciting. There's some really great topics that are going to be talked about. One that I'm looking forward to is a panel of sex workers and sex worker allies who are going to be speaking about sex work and capitalism, capitalism. which is <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of different, like, really interesting topics that are going to be presented on or discussed and that are open for anyone to attend. We're going to be doing a panel on intergenerational feminism. So trying to create a timeline of feminist action in the province and what kinds of issues were the most relevant to different age groups and also what barriers exist between working across generations sometimes when it comes to this sort of social change work. So that'll be exciting. So one thing I would like to mention, because I haven't really had an opportunity yet, just to put things in context, that we're not the only organization that's working on these issues. And in the last year, we've seen some really cool organizations crop up that are doing similar things. So around the music aspect, you know, there's now going to be a girls rock camp that's going to be getting young girls playing instruments. And they've been really, really active and are really great and are sort of taking that issue really from a systemic level and looking at how do you make this sort of music world accessible to young girls right from the get-go. There's also a group called the St. John's Women's in Music, which has just started, which is going to be another community around music stuff. So I feel like we're going to stop doing music stuff from this point forward for the most part. We kind of feel like that's covered and there's so many other great people who are doing work on that. For us coming up, we've got these few things over the summer. The main thing for us right now is trying to figure out how do we get more people involved and how do we organize that? So we've been so busy in the last year and we've had to respond to so many things that we've had our core group and we've been able to make that function and get stuff done that way. But it's been really hard to open it up to other people and to get people really engaged in planning their own things. So that's going to be a major priority. Yeah, a lot of people in St. John's have really, really great ideas. When we first formed, after we had Herbridge, we had people come together and we just got their ideas for what things they'd like to see in St. John's. And there are so many fantastic ideas. So now we're going to try to work on some of those and reach out to more people and really get people more involved. Because our core is so small. There's only so many things that we can do. We really want to really work with other people in the community. You have been listening to my interview with Jessica Barry and Nicole Collins of Smash Patriarchy and Action Team a feminist group based in St. John's, Newfoundland. To learn more about their work, search for SPAAT709 on Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.